Hello, this is the bonus podcast, and I'm Rose, uh, as always. Uh, this is too loud. Turn myself down. Okay. Um, hi. Yeah, it's Rose. It's the bonus podcast. Um, this is the bonus podcast to go along with the Moon Court episode of the show. Um, on today's bonus podcast, you, will, you are going to hear a couple things. Um, first, uh, as usual, the full cut of the teen Moon Court debate. Um, then you're going to hear a little bit of stuff that I cut uh, from the episode about past crimes in moon-like situations, if not on the moon. And then some behind-the-scenes stuff about the next couple months of my work um, between mini-seasons for Flash Forward, sort of what I do when you don't hear from me. And then at the end, as always, um, I'll talk a little bit about what I'm reading and tell you a secret. Okay, um, just a quick content note on this bonus episode. We, I'm going to mention cases of um, battery and sexual assault. Not going to go into details, but I'm going to mention that that is a thing that happens, and I'm going to mention a specific case. So if you don't want to hear about that, uh, skip this bonus episode. So first, let's get to the full cut of the teens debating Moon Court. Um, let's start right after the two of them make their main arguments, because you heard that part in the episode. So we're just going to start right at the sort of like class debate time. Um, okay, so let's say one of these moon things, how do we know that these people won't commit the crime again? And let's say they do commit this crime again, what happens next? We can't put them in moon prison because moon prison doesn't exist, but we can put them into forced labor, which is slightly unethical, mm -hmm. very unethical, yeah. um, but that since they committed a crime, they're going to have to pay for it with manual labor because that would be a nice, easy, simple solution to this. They would be able to help the community. What if they still refuse to do this? What do we do then? Um, what would we do then? No, that's a really good question, right? Um, would we and it's not... kill them? Would we send them out into the moon to just uh, starve to death? Freeze? The thing what is, would happen? That's, uh, that's a question that I personally can't answer right now, but it's also a question that does have to be answered. You can't ignore it. And if you can't, um, and so yeah, we have to be start thinking about that. You can't ignore it, you can't put it off. And so yes, I personally haven't done enough research. I'm not qual I'm not prepared to answer that question, but some people are. David, what do you think of Sydney's uh, question about labor? Oh, forced about labor. forced labor. Yeah. Um, like, is that ethical? Should we even do this? But you know what is prepared for things like this? Earth prison. <laughs> That's true. Earth prison is prepared, but the moon is going to eventually become a whole nother, um, a whole nother colony. There's going to be, uh, there's going to be generations and generations of kids on the moon. We can't just keep on sending them oh, far away uh, for for crimes to just like leave their entire planet leave all their family go to earth prison their family definitely can't visit them in earth prison because they don't they don't have the expenses to fly to earth which would cost a lot of money um and so well people you know settlements have been on the moon since the 2030s and so yes. this this you know this case happened in 2043 and mm -hmm. we know that there was a settler there who whose life was lost you know by yeah. this hit and run mm -hmm. so um you know, we're still, this is relatively new in the history of mm -hmm. mankind, so we're still kind of figuring it out. That's your, that is a good question. Do you think that uh, labor would be the, the right I think solution that, here? Uh, labor, it's interesting because like, I think that labor, 
Well, it depends what kind of labor, because like for like smaller crimes and smaller labor, I think that definitely could be thing. Like even here on Earth, we have community service. Um, and I'm not saying it's exactly the same, but like it could be a sort of uh, community service type deal for uh, smaller crimes, because I, I'd say at least even you agree that like if they do commit like uh, like a much smaller crime than they then sending them back to Earth would be like you can agree with that, right? It would be too much. Um, and so for smaller crimes, I definitely think labor could be an option. I think that, um, uh, I don't know, it could be, um, it could be, it could be a way of, of dealing with these things. Um, what class, what do you think? So the, the settlers on the moon, uh, those who commit crimes, should they be brought down to earth and trialed and tried here or should they work out their own yet? system? Uh, no, I thought we were going to ask them then I can ask my question. Grace? In the case that, like, if this was the first murder that ever happened on the moon, I think they should be brought down to Earth, just mm. to, like, sort it out, and yeah. then, and then, I feel like before, and then they need to figure out their own justice system, so I think they should figure out their justice system on Earth, even before they send settlements to Exactly, the moon. yeah, they should be figuring and it out then, beforehand. But I think the first time that happens, like, the first couple times, they should be brought down to Earth to, like, sort out any complications, but eventually they should... My left yeah. um, my hypothetical thing is that they have a sort of um, moon justice system, but it's like, say, state level courts. You know, um, it's brought to the moon, and if it and it's brought to the moon courts, and if they think it's serious enough, like say, murder of two people by an American citizen, um, they bring them down to Earth because Earth has those resources; they have that preparedness. But say it's like petty vandalism or something, someone draws a little pencil on the airlock. They're not going to bring that down to Earth. They can handle that themselves. That's what I'm proposing. They keep the small petty crimes in the moon moon courts, whatever you call them. I, I just like saying moon courts. Um, and they take the bigger problems, like serial killers, down to Earth, because Earth has resources for that. I'll let David respond, and then David, you can ask your question. Uh, cause Earth has resources, that's true, um, Earth does has resources for it, but like I was saying, a lot of times Earth, uh, at least like the jury of Earth doesn't have, like, the knowledge for it, they don't have, um, uh, to like, to, to figure out, like, what was, um, like, what, what really happened to figure out like what their punishment should be, or do you think that like are you saying that they should be they should be they're tried in moon courts and then the punishment is to send them back to Earth? Is, is that, that what you're is saying? That, is that your question for Sydney, David? Um, what I'm Please. saying is that. Well, maybe answer. What I'm saying is that moon courts should decide if this crime is serious enough for mm -hmm. them to be tried by uh, the U.S. judges and. Uh, People on Earth may not understand moon gravity or airlocks or spacesuits, but what they can understand is that two people were killed. Mm -hmm. Yes. Wait. They, what? Um, if I'm correct, the the people were killed by a rover. That's correct. So I don't think that would count as murder, really. Well, it was people were driving and operating the rover, and just uh, like just like here so on it's Earth, kind of what it could have been like manslaughter, and not on yeah, purpose. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It could have been something like that, which 
the earth courts who don't know the they don't know like the culture of the moon they don't know like when people would be normally like driving around the rovers they don't know like like things about like you know like yeah like when they would be driving around the rovers like how how like if the rovers have some things that could kill people but it's it's really just standard practice on the moon they don't they don't know that uh, that uh, that culture of the moon and they also don't know the, the the technicalities of the of the gravity aspect so it's really it's not fair to judge someone of a judge and a jury on earth who lives on the moon whose crime was committed on a whole different planet with a whole different culture and a whole different physical like gravity and atmosphere and way of life and way of living uh, and you can't and you can't just like tear someone away from their home and make them be judged against a bunch of earthlings from a different planet well then wouldn't the jury be like how they do like if there's a crime committed in this neighborhood when they have the place represent of the crime, like the cultural, so the jury could be made of people that live on the moon. Is that what? Because what you were saying seemed like then they they like the juries of Earth. That's what you seem to be saying, and I'm I think saying, that that's not uh, that's not a fair way to try people. I'm saying. Well, is it fair then to make the jury instead people who live on uh, the moon? Because the trial could be a moon trial. It just could take place on Earth. A trial with a judge who's been on the moon, a jury who lives on the moon, just it takes place on Earth because we don't have because they don't have the resources up in well, on the then, moon. Then what would be the point? Yeah, of what would be the point Earth? of of go like then you just have to fly a bunch more people to Earth. Yeah, dude, it's um, the moon is pretty far away. Do you know how long also, it would take? Yeah, um, that jury duty should not be six months. Yeah. Also, <laughs> also another also another thing. So, these are two separate. These are two separate companies. Yes, one's a Chinese company, the other one's a American company. But they're on the moon. Is that treated as another country altogether, the moon, or is it just treated as, like you said, international waters? Also, a newborn child. That child was born on the moon. Mm-hmm. Is that child uh, considered a Saracen of the moon? Does that mean that child is given a moon trial, and their parents are given a, 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 a trial in China? What happens then? Um, so technically, if this happens, like, say, a child is born in a different country by American citizens, then since both of their parents are American citizens, then that child takes on their parents' citizenship. Um, so something similar would happen on the moon. Since this is an American settlement, these people are American citizens, um, their child would be technically American. Or moon American. <laughs> I like saying that word too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Charlie. So, I mean, uh, I'm really uncertain what, or uh, I'm really uncertain what uh, being on the moon has to do with how this would be judged differently. I mean, vehicular manslaughter on the moon is still vehicular manslaughter. I'm not sure if you understand the gravity of the situation. It, and uh, yes, that pun was nice intended. Pun. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean. I mean, the people driving the rover should know that, you know, since the roads aren't established, they, sh- they should be extremely cautious when piloting such a such a thing which is capable of ending someone's yes, life. Yes, they should be extremely cautious. Um, and we don't have, we're not giving the specifics of the case, but, like, it could be something where there was, like, a huge, no, wait, there aren't huge dust storms on the moon are there <laughs> no that's no no that's mars yep that's what i thought there aren't huge dust storms on the moon um but 
there still could be uh, circumstances on the moon that either, like, I personally don't know about because I don't know that much about the moon. I mean, I do know more than, like, I did beforehand, but, like, or that, uh, like, no one knows about because we haven't lived on the moon yet. Um, and I feel like it's still, it's still unfair to judge to even, because even if you're on Earth, it's like you don't want to be judged by, like, a jury of people who all live in China right like right now you wouldn't want to be judged by a jury of people who all like live in china or live in some like other place if you are like an, an american uh, citizen right and it's so it's like you're living in a completely different place that it's not just the physical things of the gravity um it's also it's also is like the the cultural things of living in a different place and like being judged by a jury david peers. did you get a chance to ask sydney your question that you prepared i did not do that no. let's go ahead and do that thank you hit me hit me real hard <laughs> um I can't actually do that. Um, <laughs> let's so, see. Good debate etiquette. Yeah. Because then we'd have Jerry's to be who's responsible. Jerry's parents went to the moon. <laughs> that would be a uh, yeah, yeah. separate debate. Yeah, I would, I would probably, if I hit her, I'd be responsible. <laughs> yeah, you would hear Next week on she the debate club. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, my thing is, uh, really, it's, uh, why would uh, juries on Earth be fit to deal with problems on the moon? Because, okay, somebody gets run over. Mm -hmm. Somebody gets killed. Mm -hmm. yes. This could happen on the Earth or on the moon. Mm -hmm. So, we have laws and policies mm -hmm. on Earth that deal with this. Somebody gets run over, someone gets killed. We have policies for that on Earth. Why should we change that for the moon? That's still technically the same situation. It doesn't matter if it was... Rovers should be equipped to handle something like this. They should be equipped with headlights and things that enhance visibility. They should not be driving blind. So this was this guy's fault. Same way it would be if somebody, say, ran someone over on Earth. So this would be the same crime. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're basically saying mm -hmm. murder is murder. It doesn't matter. Yeah, where murder is murder. It doesn't matter where it happens. This is... But, like, are they one? But just... isn't that not exactly what you're trying to justify? Yeah. You're not trying to justify it if murder is murder. You're trying to justify where should it be held. It yeah. should be held on Earth because we have policies for this. Why set up an entirely different justice system? Because an entirely different justice system might be needed uh, for an entirely different place it's it's like i said you know there, there's like different justice systems there's different justice systems for different countries and the moon is it's going to be uh, at least eventually like a whole different entity um and so we should probably start early with developing this justice system for this whole different entity yeah uh, arthur do you want to say yeah something? it's a different planet and it's yeah, a different exactly. area if you're in a different area you should like be like in the place, in your surroundings, you should like take, this is somewhere completely different. We should build rules based off of what this place exactly. is. So That's just, what, what, yeah, what Arthur is saying. What so just checking in so with the whole class here. If you're pro moon courts, raise your hand. Honestly, I don't oh, think no. it matters that much. Mm -hmm. So we got <laughs> a little divided. All right, so say, Wait, say so and if you're con, say con. Uh, 
what what is that? What? What I'm saying is that laws should be added on the moon. Like mm -hmm. some specific situations can only happen in zero gravity on the moon, but that doesn't mean we have to entirely reshape a justice system for this. But so, well, that's we should. kind of like saying we have a justice system in America. Why do we need it in other countries? Yeah, like we, we have, have a different justice systems uh, for the different places. This is a different place. It needs a different justice system, and it's going to need one event. Like it's going to happen, and so it should happen sooner. It's it's a different place with different rules. It has different. It, it, like it has a different culture. It's like it's like how different countries do. Have All right. Well, we could we could yeah. debate uh, you know systems of government for hours and hours and hours. We unfortunately, uh, I'm looking at the clock here, and we are out of time. So I'll oh, we'll man. have to wrap it up for this week. Thank you so much uh, for our live the debate, Sydney and David. <laughs> Okay, um, so at the end of this official episode, at the end of Moon Court, um, I mentioned something that you all have already heard me talk about, um, about how these sort of intros were an experiment and it was an experiment that not everybody liked and that I heard from a lot of people that they didn't like it. Um, and so I'm going to kind of pull back from doing the linked up intros for the next mini season and then for next year. And since I put it out in like the main episode, uh, some people got in touch um, saying that they agreed they did not like the intros, but a lot of people actually got in touch saying that they were sad that I was going to stop doing the intros because they really liked them. Um, and this is something that I think is sort of interesting, like, you know, as a person who makes stuff and puts it out there into the world for people to react to, um, this is always the case, right? You always hear mostly from people who don't like something. Um, a lot of the time when people want to give feedback, they only really want to give feedback when they have something constructive or something sort of like critical to say. Um, and, and that's even like setting aside the people who are just mean. I think most of the people who got in touch saying they didn't like the episodes or didn't like the intros were doing it because they like the show in general and they like thought they were being helpful. Um, and that's totally fine. Um, but I think you generally end up hearing from people who aren't happy more than you hear from people who just like like what you're doing and want to keep doing it. Um, and that's fine. I think that's just sort of like how it goes. Um, but so it was interesting to hear from a bunch of people after I put the episode out saying like, no, no, I loved the intros. I loved the students and I loved the like, you know, even some people who liked the snow globe, you know, all that stuff. So um, that's kind of fun and sort of food for thought for me to think about like how to navigate feedback. Um, and it's also I'll just take this like time to say that if you like something that someone is doing and this is not like just for me, but for anybody, if like you like a podcast or you like something that someone makes, um, especially if they are trying something new and like trying an experiment or something. Uh, like reach out to them and tell them that you like it because chances are they are mostly hearing from people who don't like something, especially when they've made a change. Um, so if you are a person who likes it, it's actually really nice. And I would say like a good thing to do to tell the person that you like it. Um, and again, like that's not me begging you to tell me nice things about the show, my show, but just in general, I think uh, as a person who makes stuff for the internet, like we get a lot of feedback and most of it is, critical. Um, and 
it's really nice sometimes to just hear people say like, hey, I see that you're doing something new and I really like it. Um, so just a thought, you know, like if you like something someone's doing, tell them, be nice on the internet and it's going to make the internet a better place. Um, okay. So even though I did hear from people saying they liked the linked up mini seasons, I am going to continue on with my plan that for the fall mini season, I'm going to still do sort of a mini season concept with thematic episodes, but not have all the intros be linked up. And then next year, uh, when we come back, to the show we'll be back to that every other week schedule and maybe like you'll hear one surprise mini season thrown in there um and and like you know I think some people got in touch being like oh I hope this doesn't mean that you're gonna stop experimenting and don't worry I that will not happen because I don't know how to stop being weird and trying weird things so um this will continue on I will always be doing different stuff so don't worry about that um, another little behind the scenes thing specific to this particular episode about Moon Court. Um, I actually had a lot of this episode already done when the news of this case broke of the Anne McLean case. And I had all of this stuff in the like voiceover about how like, well, technically nobody's ever really been accused of a crime in space. So all of this is just sort of purely theoretical. Um, and then of course this New York Times story broke. And in fact, actually, um, it broke on the day that I was interviewing Lucienne and Erica, who you hear in the episode, and I hadn't read it, I didn't seen it. And someone texted it to me while I was on the phone with Lucienne and Erica, um, which is sort of like weird, com cards, weird cosmic coincidence, I guess. Um, I did sort of feel like that character in the movie Stranger Than Fiction, which is one of Will Ferrell's underappreciated roles, in my opinion. Dave, I'm being followed. How are you being followed? You're not moving. It's by a woman's voice. She's narrating. Oh. Harold couldn't concentrate on his work. I can't think while you're talking. You have a voice speaking to you. About me, accurately, and with a better vocabulary. Harold found himself exasperated. Shut up! Cursing the heavens in futility. No, I'm not. I'm cursing you, you stupid voice. So shut up and leave me alone! So you're the young gentleman who called me about the narrator. The thing to determine conclusively is whether you're in a comedy or a tragedy. Have you met anyone recently who might loathe the very core of you? I'm an IRS agent. Get bent, tax man! Everyone hates me. Well, that sounds like a comedy. Have you written anything new today? I figured out how to kill Harold Crink. Little did he know. Side note, I just looked up this movie um, just to confirm that I like remembered it correctly. And I had always assumed that it was based on a book by Paul Oster called Oracle Night um, because they have like super, super similar plots. But apparently they are completely unconnected. I had always assumed that Stranger Than Fiction was an adaptation of Oracle Night. Uh, it's not, turns out. But I will say Paul Oster is like an author I love. And if you've never read any of his books, I recommend them. Um, my favorite is The Music of Chance. Um, anyway, so what did I cut from this episode? Um, I mostly cut just a little section because I had thought that when I released this episode, there would have never been accusations of a crime in space. So I put in a section being like, it's going to happen because, A, we're humans and humans like can't seem to not do bad things to each other. But we also know that in other situations that are space settlement like that, like things, bad things have happened. Right. So there's like the Antarctic researcher who uh, stabbed a colleague um, after six months of being in this like super isolated place and kind of potentially losing touch with reality a little bit. 
Apparently also in the 1990s, when the Russian Institute of Biomedical Problems, which is a very excellent name for something, um, did an experiment where they had people or they tried to replicate 110 days aboard a space station. Um, the astronauts in that experiment um, behaved very badly. So apparently, um, according to a 2006 paper about crimes in space, it says, quote, two Russian astronauts reportedly committed battery, assault, and attempted murder. And one of them, the Russian commander, sexually assaulted and harassed a Canadian astronaut named Judith Lapierre. Um, the paper then goes on to say, quote, previously that same day, the Russian commander assaulted a Russian male astronaut. At a later day, another Russian astronaut had to hide the knives in the station's kitchen because the same two Russian astronauts that had fought previously threatened to kill each other, end quote. So yeah, we know that if you put people in a small space for a really long time, or even not that long, like less than a year with this experiment, um, sometimes things do not go well and people sort of like don't behave themselves and can wind up sort of spinning into this like really intense state because they're super isolated and under a lot of stress and all that stuff. Um, two other quick things that I thought a lot about and didn't address super specifically on the episode, but I thought a lot about in scripting the episode. One of them is um, what language to use when talking about going to space. So there is this conversation happening, and that's been happening for a while now, about how to talk about space exploration in a way that is ethical and that kind of avoids using the language of colonialism, basically. So, you know, we talk about space colonies. We talk about colonizing space. And the history of colonialism on Earth is very bloody and terrible and still is sort of we see the ramifications of colonialism today. Um, it's extremely bad and um, for all sorts of reasons. And so a lot of the people who think about space and think about going to space sort of think a lot about the language that they use and whether they should be saying things like, let's colonize Mars. Like, is that language that we want to be using. It is important, I think, to think about the language that we use when we talk about these things, even if the sort of like political dynamics of going to Mars are different than the political dynamics of, you know, white Europeans um, colonizing other countries where there are human beings living. Um, but I still think that it's important for us to think about those questions and talk about what we want space to be like, because it's kind of a proxy for our values and for the ways that we want to behave moving forward. Um, there's some really interesting discussions about this that you can read on the internet and that I will post in the show notes for this episode um, about kind of this question of language and how we talk about what we're doing and the language we use. So um, in the episode, I did not use the word colony or colonize at all. I, try, I opted instead for settlement and settle space. Um, those are also loaded words in all kinds of ways, but I think that they're slightly better than colonize. The other thing was um, I went back and forth a lot about how to address Anne McLean. Um, like I mentioned in the episode, I'm pretty confident and I've actually asked a couple of space reporters who are much more familiar with this field than I am about this. And I'm pretty sure that the New York Times piece about this crime outed Anne McLean, like I mentioned in the episode. And that sucks and is bad. Um, and the weird thing is that the New York Times like doesn't 
mention it at all or like doesn't make any kind of statement about like the fact that Anne McLean was not publicly out, that like this is sort of outing her in any way. And I I don't know if they thought that like if they said that they would draw even more attention to it. But I mean, like it's a big deal, not just because you're outing a person, which you should never do, but also because um, Anne McLean is now the first lesbian active active lesbian astronaut who is I guess out like there has not before been an astronaut an active astronaut who's a lesbian who we know of that we know is lesbian some people have retired and then come out or whatever but so that's like kind of a big deal right um and in fact like a lot of my queer friends were like before they knew that the New York Times piece kind of out of her were like lesbian space crime like woohoo um and so it's just it's it's also hard because you like literally cannot talk about this alleged crime without talking about her estranged wife. So like there's no way around talking about it, but it also it just it, it's a really weird conundrum. Um, and like this sort of this case kind of has made public not just sort of the this, you know, familial dispute and this domestic dispute, but also in you know, deeply personal information about someone that she had not chosen to divulge before this. Um, and so I went back and forth a ton about how to address that on the episode and how to kind of like be humane and be um, ethical in talking about it. Um, and, you know, maybe the right thing to do is not talk about it at all. I don't know. I, I don't think that's that's right because it's like out there and, and I feel like addressing it and saying that like, hey, this is just so you know, this is like not was not supposed to be public information. Um, I did ask a bunch of my queer friends about it being like, what would you do? What do you think? And they were really helpful. Um, and so shout out to them, um, for helping me with that. Um, including, um, Molly Woodstock, who has a great podcast called Gender Reveal, which you should listen to. Um, they're great. And the podcast is super interesting. If you've ever felt confused about gender, like your own gender or someone else's gender, well, don't speculate about other people's gender, but like if you've ever been confused about like conversations about gender and like what how like what does this all mean? Um Gender Reveal is a great podcast. Um Molly interviews a ton of super interesting um people across the spectrum. Um across the gender spectrum and they are just like also very funny and smart. So, um shout out to uh, Molly who helped me kind of like think through how to address this question on the podcast. So, yeah. Um I I don't know. I don't know if I did it exactly right. I tried. Um but I did want to kind of note in the actual episode that like this, it was not public information before the New York Times piece. And that I think that's important for people to know before they start kind of like talking about it or thinking about it. Okay. So those are kind of the like behind the scenes on this particular episode. Uh, this is the last episode of the mini season, which means that the show is kind of on another one of its little breaks and I'll be back November 5th for new episodes. Um, November 12th, I believe, or 19th, I can't remember. One of the episodes of the next mini season is the 100th future for Flash Forward. And I mentioned this already before and um, it's very exciting and I still have no idea what to do, um, but I would love to know what you think. And um, yeah, and in between, so in between these mini seasons, um, because of the way that the Patreon is structured, where it is you donate every episode as opposed to like monthly, um, what that means is that in between now and November 5th, um, I make zero dollars <laughs> on this Patreon. Um, and I will say that like doing it per episode in hindsight was maybe not the correct choice to make when I 
when I was setting this up, but that was many years ago now and it's too late for me to change it because if I were to change it to monthly, all of your pledges would go to monthly and I would wind up like losing a bunch of money on the whole like across a year or across a season. So I'm sticking with that. Um, but it does mean that like between now and November 5th, I will be working on the show, obviously, to like get it ready, but I won't be making any money <laughs> working on the show, um, which is like kind of my own fault for setting it up this way. And I have other sort of like income streams and other things that happens that I can kind of like move money around to work on the show. Um, but it, it has kind of made me think a little bit about um, funding and the way that the show is funded, but also the way that like my work is funded. Um, a while ago, I made like a secret personal Patreon page for stuff that is not flash forward, but that I think I want to work on. So I mentioned in an earlier episode of this bonus podcast that I was working on a young adult novel, which I'm very excited about and I'm having a great time working on. But of course, like you have to write the whole book before you can sell it when you write fiction, which is wild <laughs> um, and terrifying. But um, so that means that like, you know, you're working on a thing and you don't know if anyone's ever going to pay you for it. Um, and I also just have all these other ideas for projects that like I've always wanted to do, but have never been able to find time for because they don't pay because they're like too weird to sell to like the New York Times or Slate or whoever I write for. Um, and they don't fit in the flash forward universe. They're just kind of these like other things that I'm working on. Um, and I've kind of been like slowly puttering away at some of them very, very, very slowly because again, they don't pay. So I have to like kind of put them on the back burner a lot of the time. Um, and I know that some creators have these like personal Patreon pages, right? It's like Monica Byrne, and Lucy Bellwood and all these people who are great, super great people. And they have their own personal Patreon page for things like just to be like, hey, I make interesting stuff. You want to maybe support that. And so a couple of months ago, I made a Patreon page for me, for Rose Eveleth, that is sort of like all the things that I want to do that are not flash forward. Um, because like some people just want to support flash forward, the podcast. And that's great. And that's like what this is. And that's totally cool. And then some people... I know who I've talked to. I've been like, I really like what you do, but I don't listen to podcasts. So I'm not going to like become a patron of a podcast, which also makes sense because like, why would you do that? And I know that there is a Venn diagram between those people. Like some of you may be interested in the stuff that I do that is not flash forward. And then some of the people who um, are interested in me but don't care about the show might still donate to this Patreon. So there is like a Venn diagram. There's like an intersection between those two circles. But um, I don't know. I, so I made this Patreon page for the other side. So the not flash forward stuff. And it's been secret for months. Like I've ne not shared it with anyone. So it just like is sitting there kind of like taunting me with like zero patrons and like no, because I just haven't sent it to anyone. And I don't know. I have like a lot of conflicting feelings about it because A, like for the folks who do like flash forward and donate here, like you all, I kind of worry that people are going to be like, well, why would we give you money twice? <laughs> like That doesn't make sense. Um, and like, I don't want to have to join two Patreons, whatever. Um, then I also worry that like no one will give any money and that will feel like a sort of like referendum on my worth as like a person who makes things. And then I worry that like the people in my field or like my peers might think that it's like sad or something that I'm like making a Patreon instead of just like selling things the way they do. And then I worry that like if people do donate, what if I like can't keep up with the rewards or I don't like make the things that they've given me money to in theory make anyway. 
this is very long-winded and I should stop talking now, but I have the secret Patreon page and every like month I will look at it and be like, maybe I will launch this now. Um, and I never do. And maybe I will just continue not launching it. But it's something I think about a lot and I don't really know the answer. And it is something I think about, especially in these like gaps between flash forward and uh, between flash forward mini seasons, because, um, you know, I'm working on all these other things and they are not um, they often don't pay. And then in this gap between the two seasons, I'm like not being paid for flash forward. So it's just sort of a thing I think a lot about in terms of like my finances and how to make being an independent creative person who makes things um, financially viable on the internet, which of course is like a huge thing that many people have written theses on and like many companies have been founded to try to figure out and is above my pay grade. But I do think about it a lot. And so that's my little spiel. I don't know why I started talking about that. Anyway, that's what I've been thinking about today. I've actually spent a lot of time today like fiddling with this Patreon page that uh, I will have still have never shown anyone. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that. Um, cool. I'm going to just hard turn left into the end of this bonus podcast after rambling for what is it? Oh, good. 23 minutes. Excellent. Um, let's talk about what I'm reading. I am reading the book club book, which is N.K. Jemisin's How Long Till Black Futures Month. And um, I love it. It's great. Um, I, I just recently, a book I have not, I, this is sort of cheating because I haven't started reading it yet, but I just got it in the mail. I got an advanced reading copy, which is um, a perk of being a journalist. You get like books in advance before they come out. And I got this book called A Scheme of Heaven, The History of Astrology and the Search for Our Destiny in Data by Alexander Boxer. So um, I have super complicated feelings about astrology and particularly the ways in which like white women on the internet recently have kind of like appropriated astrology as like a meme thing for them to make money on. Um, but I'm just super, I'm really interested in this book and, and I'm really excited to read it. I have not even started. So, you know, I, I, this is not like necessarily an endorsement. Maybe the book will be bad. I don't know. I haven't read it yet. Um, but I am excited to read it and I will report back what I find. The other book I want to just plug because I finished it recently and it's so good is Annalie Newitz's book that came out this month, I think. I think it's coming. I think it came out this month, September 2019. Yes, it came out this month um, or is coming out this month. It is called The Future of Another Timeline and it is so good. Um, it's about time travel and punk rock and feminism and it's amazing. It's fiction, obviously, time travel. Um, and it actually has made me want to do an episode about time travel on the podcast for the fall season for November. Um, so stay tuned because you might hear that um, and you'll probably hear Annalie on that episode. Um, okay, those are the books I am reading. Um, also, so you may not know this, but um, Flashboard has an Amazon wish list for books. So if there's a book that I see, sometimes I'll just like put it on there and it's public and people can buy books for the show off of the the public Amazon, you know, wish list. And someone keeps buying books for the show. And I don't know if it's the same person or if it's different people, because sometimes Amazon sends like a little gift receipt being like, you got a gift. And then other times there's no explanation and there's no gift receipt. So if you have sent the book a show from the Amazon wish list and I didn't send you a thank you note I'm very sorry I don't know who sends them they don't always tell me and maybe you wanted it to be a surprise I don't know and maybe you're you didn't uh, like maybe the person who is sending these books is not a patron and this is like their way of donating so I have no idea but I feel terrible that I can't send thank you notes because I don't know who's sending us these books um 
but they're great. Uh, the book that I most that I recently got is this book called Wired Wilderness, which is about um, all of the uh, interesting, weird technology we use on animals. And you've heard me talk about how obsessed I am with like technology and animals and all this stuff. And I put it on the wish list, and someone sent it to me. Someone also sent Semiosis by Sue Burke, which is a, a science fiction book about sort of like what is life and what is sentience, was also on the Amazon wish list. Um, I suspect the same person sent those two because they came at the same time. But again, Amazon did not give me a gift receipt, so I don't know. Um, anyway, so yeah, if you're the person who is sending us books or sending me, there's no us. I, I sometimes talk about the show as if there's like a team. It's not true. It's just me and my dog, I guess. Actually, that's not true. Robert, my partner, does the transcripts every episode. So thank to, thanks to Robert for that. Um, I guess there is a team. Um, but anyway, yeah. So whoever's been sending books, thank you. I'm sorry I didn't send you a thank you note specifically. If it's you and you want to be thanked, please get in touch because I would like to thank you. I just don't know who you are. Um, okay. Um, this episode is too long anyway. So I'm going to go to the secret and I'm going to make it short. I've been doing pottery, as I've told you. And there's a woman at my pottery studio who makes these amazing sculptures. And I had actually followed her on Instagram before I knew she was a member of the studio that I go to. And then one day I walked in and I saw her and I saw her work and I was like, I know who that is. (laughs) I follow this lady on Instagram. And I was like very starstruck. Um, She makes this incredible, like weird, creepy pottery, which is my thing. It's like my, my whole thing. And so I set my stuff up the other day and I was like working on my, I'm making these like weird like noodle beasts. I have to put them in the kiln tomorrow and I'm really afraid they're all going to break. So, you know, send good vibes, good kiln vibes to me. Anyway, I was working at my little station making my little noodle beasts and she came over to me and she was like, are these yours? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, I love them. They're so cool. And I was like, just wanted to like glow. It was so nice. This woman who's Pari's so much better than mine. Mine is very rudimentary and silly. Um, she came over and she was like, I love your work. It's so like fun and full of life, um, which is a nice, very kind way to be like, not technically good, but very fun to look at, which I will take because I just started doing it like six months ago. Um, so yeah, that was my little fun, my fun pottery secret. Um, you will hear from me again with a bonus podcast with an interview with Gretchen McCulloch, who wrote Because Internet, which was the book club book last month. Gretchen is currently on vacation, but I did see her this past weekend at XOXO and we hung out and she was great. And she actually made the book club a fun little book sticker that I showed. Um, I sent a photo of in the book club Slack if you are not in the Slack. Um, and But she's on vacation, a very well-deserved vacation this week. So I'm going to talk to her next week and then you'll hear that interview in your feed before we're back with the regular show. And then if there's a reason for me to pop in with a little surprise bonus podcast, I will do so I'm hoping, hoping to have really cool, fun, good news for you. Um, it's this thing that I've been kind of working on and sitting on for a really long time. And I think it's finally going to happen, but I can't tell you what it is yet because I haven't signed the very official legal documents. As soon as I do, I will make a bonus podcast just to tell you about it because I'm very excited. Um, but again, I can't, I can't say anything yet. Um, okay. That is all for this bonus podcast. I will, you will, or you will hear from me soon-ish. <laughs> and uh, I will be back with full episodes November 5th. Okay, bye.